Welcome to the Colonial Church STA podcast. The vision of Colonial Church is to build an exciting, vibrant, Bible-based church right here in the heart of St. Augustine, Florida. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. You know, this week as I was preparing, I was getting excited about speaking to our church on Father's Day. And uh, it was kind of one of those moments I was really asking God, like, what passage of Scripture would you like me to speak from on Father's Day? You know, it's just, this is a big deal. And he le- led me straight to Luke 15. And uh, it's the story of the prodigal son. But one thing I noticed about Luke 15 is it comes on the heels of two other stories. It comes on the heels of the parable of the lost sheep, as well as the lost coin. But then the next one, the next parable that Jesus is inviting us into the story of is the story of the prodigal son. So I just want to read it here in Luke 15 and verse 11. I think we're going to put it up on the screen for you as well. It says, and he said, there was a man who had two sons. And the moment that I read two sons, it just hit home for me because I have two sons. I have two sons of my own. And my sons are young. They're still young where it's all about me and just everything's daddy, daddy, daddy. And it's great. It's amazing, and I'm going to cherish these moments, but it's not always like that, right? It's not always like that. So this is a man who had two sons, and the younger of them, so it wasn't the firstborn, the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Verse 13, not many days later, the younger son gathered all that he had. And took a journey into a far country, and there he squandered his property in reckless living. That's what prodigal is. Prodigal, the word, it means reckless. It means reckless living or rebellious living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country. And he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out. Other translations say he forced himself on another citizen of of a different country to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his field to feed pigs. Can I just stop there as well and just say this? The fact that Jesus uses that animal is also very significant. It's severe. To sort of put into context for the Jewish people, this is a bad situation. You're going down into a level with animals that we don't associate with. We don't go near. It's not about us. We don't go near pigs. (laughs) It says he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate. And no one gave him anything. Verse 17. But he came to himself. He said, How many of my father's servants have more than enough bread? But I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father. And I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him. And felt compassion, and he ran and embraced and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe, and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand, and shoes on his feet, and bring the fattened calf and kill it. And let us eat and celebrate, for this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Verse 25, now this older son was, now his older son was in the field. In other words, he was where he was supposed to be. He was doing what he was supposed to do. He was in the season he was supposed to be in. He was being faithful with what he was supposed to be faithful with. He was in the field. And it says he came and he drew near, he drew near to the house. 
He heard music and dancing, and he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. It's kind of astonishing. It's like there's a party going on, dude. There's a party happening. What do you mean? What, what do these things mean? This is a party. It's obvious. And he said to him, your brother has come, and your father has killed the fattened calf. And because he has received him back safe and sound, but he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him. But he answered his father, look, these many years I have served you. I have never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came who, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, son, you are always with me. I just love the dual response. And son, you are always with me. And all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be, be glad for this brother. And he says, for, the, for this, your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you, Father, for the power of your word this morning, Lord. Thank you that it has the power to change our lives. God, we just pray for all the dads this morning, Lord. Thank you for the opportunity it is to be a father. Lord, thank you for the opportunity it is to, to bear that responsibility, Lord. Understanding that you give it to us not as something that's going to weigh us down. Lord, but is actually going to lift us up. You give us that responsibility as dads and even spiritual fathers in this room, Lord. You give us this re responsibility to put in. Father, to make a difference, God. I just pray a blessing over every dad in this room. Father, thank you that you love us. You love dads. You've given us that role. So, Lord, I just pray blessing upon blessing for the dads in Jesus' name. And the whole church said together, man. Can I just stop right now? If you're a dad in this place or you're a grandfather, can you just lift your hand wherever you're at? That's awesome. Come on, can we give it up for the dads for being so amazing? Man, so thankful for the dads. See, the thing about this passage, this is kind of what the angle I want to bring today or the, the, the perspective I want to take with this passage is a little bit different. Because in this passage... A lot of people focus on the sun. A lot of people focus on what the sun goes through. Some people even go so far as to talk about the two sons. The younger son, who was reckless and prodigal in his living and rebellious and moved away and just kind of peaced out and then came back. But then a lot of people also want to focus on the older brother. And some of you probably grew up and went to Sunday school and they teach you in Sunday school, we can see ourselves in each different person. Anyone ever tell you that? You can see yourself in different roles, and that's so true and so, so absolutely true. But there's a reason that Jesus is telling us this story, and I really believe it's all about the dad. It's all about the dad. See, the dad is the headliner in this movie. He's the star of the show. He's the guy that we, we need to focus our attention on. He is the shining light. He is the one that Jesus is putting on display for us. He's the one that Jesus is trying to elevate to show us more of, to be drawn into. Not even so much so the redemptive process of what the Son goes through, even though that is a picture of salvation. But it's so much more than that, and I really believe it's caught up in what the dad does, his response. It's the dad whose response is so shocking. His response is amazing. It's the dad who seems to be the key to all of this working out well. It's the dad's perspective that we need. 
we need to see more of. It's the dad who Jesus is trying to tell us, this is what your heavenly father is like. This is what he's like. This is the reason that Jesus told parables. It was because he wanted to tell a story, but he wanted to paint a picture of what heaven was like. He wanted to paint a picture of what the kingdom of God will be like or is. When he came to earth, he pronounced, he, he announced the kingdom of God. He's saying, this is the kind of dad that you have in heaven. It's funny to me how the son, he tried to game his dad. He tried to kind of play his dad a little bit. He sort of tried to figure a few things out. I mean, it's, it's kind of amazing to me. He sort of, there are all these things kind of going through the son's head. Listen to it again in, in verse 17. It says, that brought him to his senses, he said. All those farmhands working for my father sit down to three meals a day. This is his moment where he kind of just realizes he's having a realization moment. He says, I'm going back to my father. He says, I'm going back to my dad. He just declares it to himself. He says, I'm going back. This is it. I've had enough. I'm going back. But then what he does is he tries to preempt the father's response. He tries to preempt it. Look at it. Look at what he says. He says, I'll say to him. I'll say to him, I'm going to plan this out. I'm going to plan this out. I'm going to say to him, Father, I've sinned against God. So he's going to be really holy. He's going to be really holy. He's like, I've sinned against God and you. He's setting it all up. He tried to preempt and plan out even the response that dad would have to him. He even tried to figure out the terms that he would be accepted back on. He even tried to get inside his own father's head and get the level of return that he could come back on. He figured to himself he would come back not to be a son, but to be a servant or a slave. He tried to preempt the response. It's amazing how we do that with our dads. <laughs> I don't know, as a kid, I can just remember I'd be so scared <laughs> of what dad would do. I'd be so scared and fearful, and I think that's a healthy fear when it comes to dad to just be really, you know, when you've done something wrong, there's going to be a punishment. Now I'm freaking out. But what we begin to do is we try to preempt. We say, oh, well, you know, this is what dad's like, and you know, he's pretty chill about this. He's pretty... You know, he's, he's actually pretty, he gets fired up about that. Um, so let's start to work this out. I'm going to be the architecture of this sort of reunion. But this son, he could never have wrapped himself around or even come close to understanding in his own head or preempting the father's response to his son. Grace, forgiveness, no record of wrong type response, perfect love. Perfect love. See, this passage is amazing to me because it's the gift of the response that the son also gets through this process. So you think about it, it could be in the moment he gets this response and it's great, oh man, I've been accepted in, but what the dad was also doing was twofold. Yes, he was receiving him in, but he was also showing him how to do life. I'm going to say that again because I feel like no one got that. <laughs> but there was a twofold impact in this, he receives him in, he gets the impact in the moment, but the dad is showing the son this is how you treat your son. This is how you treat people. This is how the Father treats us. This was his response. So I just want to draw a few things out of this passage, if I could. If you're taking notes, just write these down. But it's a few observations about the Father's response for us this morning. The first is this. He was looking. Dad was looking. 
despite the embarrassment. See, the thing that amazes me about this, when you understand the culture of the day, is Jesus doesn't spend any time talking about the embarrassment that the father would have had to go through for the son to leave. The embarrassment, the, 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 the talking that would have happened in the, in the, on the street corners, in the synagogue. And, you know, I know this, Jesus is telling a parable. This didn't actually happen, but Jesus is telling us a story. But could you imagine the embarrassment in that moment? He doesn't talk about that. But despite all that, he was on the lookout. See, the daddy probably had no choice just to get back to it. His son had gone. Son's out. See you later. I'm going to go do my thing. I'm going to take my money. I'm going to go. So there's probably this sense from the father, man, I've just got to get on with running the business, got to get on with just running life. Keep, you know, life keeps going, doesn't it? There's something about that that happens. He probably had no choice but to just get on with it. But you're left in Scripture, you're left with this sense that he was constantly on the lookout at that window in his house. He was constantly looking. Look at it in verse 20. It says, so he got up and he went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, dad saw him. Dad saw him. His father saw him, had compassion on him. That's the thing about dads that I love. Now that I'm a father myself, it's just like you get given this beautiful perspective over your household. You get given this beautiful perspective, but you always know a lot more about what's going on than people give you credit for. I had the joy of, 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 at one point, my pastor, Pastor Brian Houston, and his family, his two sons, and, and I were, were really good friends. And there were actually, at one point, I was super close, just hang out with them. I was actually went on a family vacation one time. And this is like, my pastor at the time oversees so much stuff, but he's also a dad. He's also a dad and has a family. And I was just amazed at how much he knew about what was going on in their lives how much he knew about what was going on in my life. <laughs> and I was just part of his church. But there's something about fathers, they just seem to know way more about what's going on. But he was looking. I love it. Sometimes you see that picture of bringing something to dad. You finally get, get up the courage to bring your wrongdoing to dad. You bring it to him and out of fear, and you finally get the courage, and you say, I've done this thing. And dad says, I know. I saw you do it. <laughs> I saw it happen. See, dads are on the lookout. This dad, he was looking. And Jesus made sure to include this because he wants us to know that the father sees us. The father is looking for you when it comes to salvation. God's not surprised when you walk in the door. God's not surprised when you say yes. You see, he's seen you coming. He sees you from a far way off. He sees you coming towards him. He's looking for you. The second thing is this. He ran out. He actually ran out. You know, I'd think about, again, the context of the day. This is an elderly man. These are two sons who could have left home. So they were old enough to, to leave home. They weren't little kids. So this is a man who was a little bit further along in his years. And you've got to understand, again, in the culture of the day, to see a, a Jewish man running and I love that he ran out. I love too, I just think about this and I think it wasn't a light jog. <laughs> it was an ugly run. <laughs> like this was one of those ugly runs where there's like you just got that look on your face. It's like the ugly, like serious look. And he was just going. Almost like you see those like, uh, you know, Vine videos that sort of tended to be funny. But you see a guy running down the hill and his legs just can't keep up. It was that kind of run. It wasn't a light jog. It wasn't a little prance. 
He was ugly running towards his son. He ran out. He wasn't so sensitized to the culture around him that he wouldn't run to his own son. He, wouldn't, he didn't care what was happening on the sides. He didn't care if a neighbor was looking over the fence. He didn't care if someone was giving him the side eye. He was looking and he ran out. I love what it says in the message. It says in verse 21, while he was still a long way off, his father saw him, his heart pounding, he ran out and embraced him and kissed him. The next thing I draw out of this passage is this, about the father's responses. He was lavish. He was lavish to his son. See, the ring he asked to be brought, to be put on his finger, that's significant. That's significant. This was no small thing. Again, when you study it, this was a reinstatement of his authority in his family. This ring represents authority in his household. See, this man, he had multiple levels in his household. There was a status in the household. There was a, a way you would go into the household. You were either going in as a servant or you were going in as a son. And he was reinstated with his authority as a son. No questions asked. This is the bit that challenges me as a dad. There were no questions asked. He grabs that ring. He doesn't interrogate him. He doesn't interrogate him about what he did while he was away. There was no timeout corner that he had to go to. Where we sometimes as dads say, you go over there and sit in that corner. You have a think about what you've done. It wasn't any of that. He didn't hold up the ring and wave it in his face and say, you better promise me you'll never do that again. It wasn't that. That's the challenging, convicting part for me as a dad. He didn't wave it in front of his face and say, you see this ring, you better promise me. You will never do that again. No, he just got the ring and he started partying. He started enjoying. He started celebrating how great it is that his son is back. This is a picture of the father. Come on, church. Can we get excited? This is the God that we serve. He loves us. He lavishes us. He doesn't look at our past. He doesn't look in the background and say, look at all this stuff you've done. Are you going to promise me you won't do it again? He says, bring the ring. Bring it all. Bring it out and let's party. My son is home. He was lavish in his response. The other thing about his response was this. He knew the value of the moment. So there's something about this that just points towards salvation. Isn't it funny how dads can just live in the moment? Come on, it's Father's Day. Let's be honest. There's something about dads who just live in the moment. It happens in my home all the time. It drives Jill crazy. In one room, there's just... Armageddon happening, the oven, smoke happening, it's just like craziness going on and, you know, stuff's got to get done, dinner's got to get on the table and here I am over in the other room wrestling with three kids. I'm living in the moment. But that's what dads are like, but he knew the value of the moment. Dads know the value of the moment. See, this is Jesus pointing towards salvation. Look at the response here of the father while the son is trying to be the architect of the, his response. I love what it says. It says, the son started his speech. <laughs> he started his speech. He said, Father, I've sinned against God. I've sinned against you. And I don't deserve to be called your son. But I love what it says. It says, the father wasn't listening. The father was living in the moment. The father was right there in the moment with his son. And I could just see the son's right there. And he's grabbing him. He's kissing him. And he's just like, the, the kid's just blabbering away. 
And at that point, he just stops listening and he's turning over to the, to the, to the servants and the people that are going to bring everything and he's screaming at them, bring it over, bring it over. He's not listening to what his son's saying. He's living in the moment. Salvation has come. I love that. What an incredible, incredible father. He knew the value of the moment. See, we've got to understand, church, this is actually a picture of salvation in our own lives. This is what this is. If you, maybe you didn't even know that. But that's what this is. It's Jesus painting a picture of the Father's response to us when we come home. It's not about us doing things wrong and getting it all right. That's a mistake. That's not right. Yeah, if you pick that up in the process, that's great. Let's try to live better. But this is a picture of how much God loves you. This is a picture of how excited God is when you come home. This is a picture of salvation. The father, he knew the value of the moment. He said, my son has returned. His heart has changed. He's back to the place he belongs. Inside my household. Under my authority. Inside the kingdom. Part of the house. It's incredible. But if we were to turn the table this morning... Flip the script. Point ourselves back towards this father. What would we do? What would our response be? I think it'd be cool today, Father's Day, to give us five ways we can love dad. Five ways that we can respond to dad this Father's Day. So write them down. And even if your dad isn't around anymore, my dad's not here anymore, God bless him. But I certainly have spiritual fathers. I have a father in life, father figures. We can all take something out of this. Five ways to love on dad, but each one of these we can also apply to our heavenly father too. So the thing about man, man was created in God's image. So as we love on our dad, we can also love on our heavenly father too. Amen? The first one is this. Number one, we can honor him. See, we're a church that we believe in honor. Honor is just not a good idea. It's a God idea. It's a kingdom principle. To honor dad. To honor the father. See, there are a few things that are high up on the food chain for a dad, for a man, for a husband. There's a few things that are really high up on the food chain. You might be thinking companionship. Although that's definitely big on the food chain for a dad, companionship, you might be thinking physical contact, sex, is high up on the food chain, and it is. But it's not number one. I'm not going to go into the details of that one because it's a family program. It's not a marriage ceremony. But it's funny how God puts something even higher than those two things as a value, as an important thing, a way to to connect with dad, to connect with, with a husband, and that's honor. See, honor is absolutely at the top of the stack. Honor is the highest, even above sex, even above companionship. It's at the very top. See, it's different for women. But for men, this Father's Day, can I encourage you, your husband or your father, he needs to be honored. He needs to receive honor. It's one of the very best ways that we can love on dad, is to honor him, to love him, to to honor him in our lives. And when it comes to God, we do the same thing. We honor God with our lives. But we need to give dad honor. He needs honor. A husband needs honor. A man needs honor. He just needs honor. We can respond to dad. By honoring dad, by honoring him in our lives. 
seeing the role that he has in our lives and giving him honor. It's important. Maybe you've never even thought about it that way. But you see sometimes in marriages or you see sometimes in families, you say, well, do you honor him? Do you honor the man in the home? And the response is like, yeah, sure, he knows. He knows that we love him. He knows that we're grateful for him. But can I encourage you, friends, it's not enough. It's not enough for you just to sit there and think, oh, yeah, I think he knows. Or assume that he knows. He needs to know. He needs to be honored. You see it far too much. As my role as a pastor, the missing ingredient for a great marriage is usually just honor. Just honoring each other in Ephesians chapter 5, when it talks about people in marriage submitting to each other, it isn't something you've got to put chains on and be oppressed by. No, it's actually just simply honoring each other. But men, they need honor. A wife may have legitimate reasons for distress in a marriage. But the one thing that a man cannot go without is honor. I want to show it to you in Scripture too. You know that even Jesus was restricted when it came to honor. He was restricted. Let's look at it in Luke chapter 6 and verse 1. A lot of people would know this story. It says he went away from there and he came to his hometown. His disciples followed him. And on the Sabbath, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were astonished, saying, where did this man get these things? What is this wisdom given to him? How are such mighty works done by his hands? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon? Are not his sisters here with us? And it says, they took offense at him. And Jesus said to, him, said to them, a prophet is not without honor. We all know that. A prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and among his relatives, but listen to it, and in his own household. In his own household. But this is the bit that's the most important for us today when it comes to honoring men in our lives, honoring fathers, honoring husbands. It says, and he could not do no mighty work there, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and held them. And he marveled because of their unbelief and he went on about preaching in the villages. We all know this verse, yet it makes sense. But there was a distinct lack of honor. And see, the thing about this passage, and I just want to shine a light on it, it says that he could not do any mighty works there. Didn't say that he would not. Didn't say that he would not. See, Jesus was God. He would always work in sync with the Father. But it says in Philippians 2 that Jesus laid down his divinity and he picked up his humanity. But see, Jesus was on earth walking in the confines of the kingdom of God according to the principles of the kingdom of heaven. And one of those principles is honor. So Jesus simply could not. You see what I'm saying? So he needed honor, so he didn't. He just didn't have to. To Jesus, it's like, there's no honor here, so I'm moving on. But it's important for us to understand that a lack of honor has an effect in people's lives. A lack of honor will have an effect in your husband's lives. A lack of honor will have an effect on dad. If he's not honored in the home, it will affect him. Is this okay this morning, church? Is it okay if I say this this morning? See, Jesus had a problem with a lack of honor. Even the law commanded us to honor. But it's amazing how absent honor can be in a household. See, I look at it like the cork in the bucket scenario, illustration. 
cork in the bucket. You've got a bucket and you've got a cork. And the cork is just in the bucket, just laying down there on the floor. Nothing's happening. But that cork will rise to the level, whatever the level is in that bucket. And the water is honor. I'm going to say it again. As we give honor, as we put honor into a man, you might be looking at a man right now. Doesn't seem like he's doing a whole lot. Doesn't seem like he's the man of God you thought he was. What would happen if you began to put honor in that bucket? What would happen if you began to put honor in and see the level of that rise up? One of the worst things we can do is cut men down. One of the worst things wives you can do in front of your friends is cut your man down. Because that is a serious dishonoring of your man. And that level of the water in the bucket will go down. We need to be honoring. And maybe your man's not there right now. Maybe dad's not there yet. But let's be committed to honoring. Putting in. Seeing that level go up and up and up. And I really believe that men will rise to the occasion. Men will begin to rise and become all they're supposed to be. When they feel honored in a home, I don't know about you, but when you try to talk to me, if I feel a lack of honor, if I feel like there's a sense someone's trying to talk to me or tell me something, but there's no honor, I just shut down. I'm sorry, but I just got nothing for you. Because if you're not honoring who I am, if you're not honoring the role that I have, it's going to be very hard for me to listen to you. And that's the thing about men. I know because I am one. I love hearing those, the feet. Just, I think that's a potty break. I think that's what that is. That is a joyful sound right there. We should enjoy that. It's not going to be, always be like this. We'll be separated one day, thank God. <laughs> so one thing we can do for Dad is we can honor him. Number two, we can run to him. We can run to the Father. Five ways to love on Dad, run to Dad. Run to him. It says his heart was pounding and he ran out and embraced him. There's something about the way a father receives a child. Never underestimate the power of moving towards dad. Never underestimate the power, even wives, of moving towards your husband. It's moving towards him. I told that story about Charlie running towards me this morning, caring only about his cinnamon roll. But I just love it. I just love that he just runs to me. You know, I have an awesome father-in-law who I love dearly and I honor him, honor him today. But he's one of these people in my life, he just shows me so much stuff. He helps me so much. But can I tell you, he doesn't get all mad because I ask him for help. He doesn't get all frustrated because his son-in-law is asking him for help on how to do something. No, we've got to understand it's good to run to dad. It's good to go to dad. It's good to ask him for help. A dad loves it when he's asked for help. He loves it when, he's, when a son comes to him or a daughter comes to him and says, can you help me do this? Can you help show me the way to get this done? I don't know how to do this. Can you help me? Isn't that a picture of the father's love? Isn't that a picture of what God wants you to do with him? That's a picture to me. If you don't know how to tackle this season, if you're in a season, the best thing we can do is go to the father and ask for help. Help me. We can run to him. Number three, we can remind him. It's not like God forgets, but I love so many times in the Old Testament, it talks about God remembering his covenant with his people Israel. Remember, I think we should just remind dad, 
more often. How much we love Him, how much we honor Him, how much we believe in Him, how much potential we see in Him, how thankful we are for the role He plays. We can remind Him. I don't think we can remind Dad enough. Your earthly father should be reminded often. But I think that's the thing about praise. That's the thing about honor when we come into church. What are we doing when we're praising God? We're reminding ourselves, but we're also reminding Him. We just love you, Lord. Father, we just thank you so much. You're awesome, God. We just love you so much. There's something powerful about reminding God and reminding our Father that we love Him and we honor Him. Is this helping this morning? Father's Day 2018. Number four, we can respond well to Him. When it comes to the Father's love, if you were to look at the Son and maybe you get an opportunity if you had the opportunity in the parable to ask the son, hey, how would you respond next time? How would you respond next time? It would be different. He'd say, I'd respond well. I'd just respond well. We can save ourselves the trouble of what the younger son went through by responding well to the father. We can save ourselves from the grief that the older son put himself through by responding well to the father. Fathers are always on the lookout for the response. And usually the response is what determines What's next? If you have a son come to you and he's done something wrong, if it's not a good response, it's not going to be pretty afterwards. <laughs> it's not going to be pretty afterwards because you're going to need more correction. You're going to need more conversation. But when we respond well to the Father, it means we have a soft heart. It means we're willing and we're open to change. And that's what we can do with our own fathers, but also with God, we can respond well to Him. And the last thing we can do this morning, when it comes to dad, is we can come back to him. We can come back to him. Team, you can come up. See, ultimately, this parable talks about salvation. Coming back to the Father is not just a great thing to come back on Sunday night for dinner. I think there's a proximity we all need to have with our fathers. Sometimes we can't always have it because of whatever seasons of life or even for us at one time it was continence between us. But we can come home to dad. We can come home, we can spend time with him. And just like asking dad for help, I can't even imagine an instance where a child would be received any other way when he wants to just spend time with his dad. It's beautiful. And you might be in here today. And your experience with a father wasn't the best experience. I want to speak to you for just a moment. All the good things that happened with that dad, that was from God. All the negative things, all the things that didn't line up with God's word, all the shortcomings of that man did not re represent God. That doesn't represent the father's heart. I think about my own dad. Man, he had many shortcomings. But he did his best. He did his best. So when it comes to our fathers in this house, let's be the type of church you honor. Let's be the type of church you put in. I'm really believing that in this next season of church life, we're going to begin to see some of the fathers rise up in the house and be all they're called to be. Just like I said, the cork in the bucket, we're just going to put in. We're just going to believe. We're going to just put into these men and just believe for them to rise up and step into what they're called to be. But if we're not here right now putting in and honoring 
and even sometimes dishonoring and cutting down, where are they going to get to? They're never going to get to that level. Unless we're committed as families, as we're committed as pastors, as we're committed to teams, to honoring fathers and lifting them up in Jesus' name. You received that word this morning. Why don't you stand with me? Thank you for listening to this podcast. We would love to connect with you. Join us on Sundays at church or visit us at www.colonialchurch.life.